The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on what is now a gorgeous day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Rain has come and gone, and, and hopefully it's gone for a couple of days. It's been nasty weather here in the Auburn Opelika area, but a hot one today. Uh, really, really nice weather. It has been chaotic in Auburn today. Uh, if you've been out driving around, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The train that just decided to stop on the train tracks in Auburn and it pretty much cut off the connection on Dean Road Uh, it went into downtown it was going the other way too it was a disaster today in Auburn and so yeah it it was it was a disaster I was trying to get you know I was out and about you know running a few errands during lunch and it was there it wasn't there when I went the first time and then when I tried to get back here to the station I couldn't get across the tracks and so I was like all right well I'll go the long way around and I was gonna go uh go towards Opelika Road yeah that didn't happen because that was backed up and I guess it was stopped there too I never could get down there so I had to go all the way down I went and got on Glen took it all the way into downtown and had to cross the downtown tracks in 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 downtown Auburn to get back over here to the station so what is normally a five minute trip turned into almost a 30 minute adventure so it was a it was a very very eventful day and I think it's all cleared up now and so uh, again if you were out and about you know exactly what I'm talking about it was a disaster today but that's cleared up it's a Friday afternoon we have so many things to talk about he's Carter Bird I'm Jacob Goins with you here on ESPN 106.7 this is on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back we're going to talk Auburn football recruiting because big big weekend uh, on the planes for Hugh Freeze and company they've got some really big names uh, lots of offensive linemen so that is Uh, Always something Auburn fans like to see. We'll talk about that. We'll have question of the day. Also, we have Kyle Rush of the Dad Bod Golf Pod will be joining us at 2.30 uh, to talk about the U.S. Open and also uh, talk about the the PGA and Live. Where are we now that we've sort of gotten removed from from that news of them merging together? And so we'll talk to him at 2.30. And then Jack Hudden will join us at hour number two. We'll talk some college baseball as the College World Series is officially underway way and talk some more scheduling and Auburn football with Jack when he joins us in hour two so should be a great show today uh, phone lines are open until we get Kyle on so we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 uh, Carter happy Friday before we get into things happy Friday hey yeah it, it is a happy Friday we got the U.S. Open going on college world series a lot of interesting stuff big recruiting weekend for Auburn football a lot of reasons uh, why this could be a fun day. 
Yeah, well, we'll start with Auburn football recruiting. And again, if you want to chime in on the conversation, uh, we'd love to hear from you on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Auburn, it's been busy for Hugh Freeze and company. They've they've just continued to bring body after body, big name after big name to this campus for Auburn. And this weekend is no different. You have one of the top targets for Auburn in the 24 class, the five-star wide receiver, Perry Thompson. He will be in Auburn once again for his official visit and then everybody else as of right now they're all offensive linemen you have a you have a C yeah. three four star and no, a four four star offensive linemen and a three star offensive lineman Auburn is doing work when it comes to, to the trenches which again we talk about this all the time wasn't always the case yeah I mean this is the way that this staff is attacking the positions of need and the positions that the last two staffs have really struggled with. It's encouraging the way that they're attacking receiver. You've you get Bryce Kane on vo- on board this week. Uh, Cam Coleman's been on campus a couple times in the past couple weeks. Um, he continues to uh, come back to Auburn. Uh, Auburn, I know, feels like they're very much in it with that one. Uh, and you've you've got Perry Thompson coming to campus, and then at linebacker, you see what you just did with Joseph Phillips, and you know you have guys out there like DJ Barber that you lead with, and I mean Bradley Shaw. You had Demarcus Riddick on campus twice here in the past week and a half or so. The five star committed to Georgia, uh, the in-state kid, the Alabama kid that I firmly believe will not be playing college football outside the state of Alabama. So I, I I look at those names and how Auburn's making impacts with those guys. White Simmons is another linebacker who's on campus that I know this staff likes a lot. Um, and then you look at the, the offensive line. It's just so – got so many four-stars on campus this weekend. Last weekend you had a bunch of offensive linemen on campus. Chance to really – start to hammer out a very strong class here it'll be encouraging if you can get an offensive lineman in the boat by the end of the weekend the one that 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 catches my eye I mentioned it already uh the five-star wide receiver Perry Thompson I mean we know he's an Alabama commit uh he visited Alabama earlier this month but now Auburn has a chance to to basically try to sway him right and try to convince him uh and and get their word out there and try to get one of the biggest names in all of college football in high school recruiting um an Alabama commit to come to Auburn and I think that if Auburn is able to to do so and, and get Perry Thompson to come to Auburn how big of a flip would that be we know he's already committed to Alabama but the fact that he's at least coming back says something to me yeah, I mean, well, he's continued to come back, and he has said that if he doesn't go to Alabama, he would go to Auburn. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, quotes like that you you love to hear, and it's not quotes; those aren't quotes you typically hear from Alabama commits. Right? You don't hear them ever say, "Well, yeah, like if I went anywhere else, like I'd go to my school's rival, my school's biggest rival uh, in Auburn." Like that's never said. Maybe you get one that would say that about a Georgia or something else, but this would be a moment where you're talking about if you flip a Perry Thompson from Alabama to Auburn, you're talking about you're going toe-to-toe with Georgia and Alabama and you're winning battles. That has not happened in a class at Auburn 
in a long time. I mean, I talk. You look at especially at receiver. I mean, to get it, this big of a receiver well. from Alabama. Yes, I mean uh, that would potentially give Auburn a path to have a receiver class with Bryce Kane, who I think will end up being a four star. We've talked about how he's only played one year of football in his life, and then if you land Perry Thompson, I think you're in a great spot with Cam Coleman. We could be talking about the best receiver class in Auburn history at it, the end of this at the end of this twenty four cycle. Very easily, very very easily, and, and I'm curious on on what Auburn fans what their thought process would be and how they would feel if you were to get a guy like Perry Thompson and you were to get one of the biggest classes in, in the receiver room in Auburn history. If you if you find a way to land to flip a Perry Thompson to land a Cam Coleman to start to build that momentum and then play well on the field in 23, there's a real scenario here where you build up enough momentum where maybe a K.J. Bolden jumps on board. Maybe some of these other names that you know you're in it. I mean, I think right now Auburn is running second to Georgia for K.J. Bolden, but I think they've got a chance. And if you build momentum and start to build a special class, guys will start to want to be a part of that. And And, and if you do that, you can have a class that could really set uh, a standard, build a foundation, uh, want to want to return a program back to, to prominence. And you said it already, and it's something that Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 and Auburn Undercover, when we had him in earlier this week, he talked about how the play on the field in 23 is, is vastly important for Auburn in recruiting, but if you're able to, to pull what is a pretty good class already, have a good performance on the field in 2023, you could jumpstart and get into 24 and almost not be behind everybody else like we thought Auburn was going to be when you sign and when you get a brand new head coach. It takes you a couple of years to get caught back up with the rest of the conference, not to mention where Auburn was when the last two head coaches left. And so if you're able to get a huge 24 class and have a good year on the field in 23, get a big 2024 class, Auburn's going to be right back in the mix when it comes to recruiting in the SEC, which will put you right back in the mix on the field in 2024 and beyond. 100%. 100%. I mean, if you if you start hitting a couple home runs here, Coleman, Thompson, Bolden, Riddick, I mean, top five class is very real potentially higher than that which is where we know this staff wants to be they have the ability to do that and it feels like Auburn's starting to get uh it's ducks in a row when it comes to NIL when it comes to everybody pulling in the same direction getting the right people involved and and active in this NIL landscape and when you look at all of it there's a whole lot of reason to be excited if you're an Auburn fan. When you look at the the three commits that Auburn picked up this week, three really solid ones, mm-hmm. including Joseph Phillips, the uh, the four-star linebacker. I mean, F- Phillips is the best player in this class right now. Right. No doubt. I think he's the I think he's the best player. I think he has the highest potential so far, but in your mind, Carter, just recapping what we've seen because again, Auburn fans were they were worried, right? They were worried that that number 5 was was a cap and that Auburn was stuck at five commits in the 24 class you then all of a sudden you get three in one week and so in your mind 
How much does this mean for the guys in particular? And then just what this can do for momentum, what this past week was for Auburn football and recruiting. I mean, we talked about how it felt like while no commitments were happening, you were still at five commits. Felt like momentum was building. It felt like when that first domino was going to fall, you were going to have a bunch of a bunch kind of pop off in a row. Mm-hmm. And then you did. I mean, you had Bryce Kane commit, Kinsley Faustin, the four star safety out of Florida. He commits later that day. And then two days later, Joseph Phillips is on board. And that momentum is continuing to build. I think by the time you leave July, you're going to be somewhere close to 15 commits. And when you get to that point, you really can start to get selective and go after go all in full court pr- uh, press on your big dogs your centerpieces your kind of tent poles of this class which would be Cam Coleman if he's not on board at that point in time and uh we 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 keep talking about how landing landing Joseph Phillips is huge because he's just up the road he's within what 30 40 minutes of here and it's somebody that you went toe-to-toe with Georgia. And Georgia thought they had him on Tuesday. Yep. And on Thursday, you land him. Like, yep. we're, we're talking commitment quotes, uh, commitment graphics made for him to go to Georgia. And then on Thursday, he commits to Auburn. You look at Cam Coleman, 30, 40 minutes down the road at Central. A five-star receiver, a program that puts out a lot of really talented players, especially at receiver over the years. I mean, you talk about Justin Ross, EJ Williams, both of which went to uh, Clemson. Like they put out talented players. Auburn has not had, weirdly enough, has not had a lot of success in recent history in its own backyard. But if you can start to, within an hour of Auburn, start to put up a little bit of a fence and make it harder for Alabama to come down here and get these guys or Clemson to dip into the state and get guys or Georgia. Right. We are talking about a very solid foundation, and then you can kind of start to march it out and expand that that radius and get back to where Auburn's been at the past, where they've been in their best when they've been able to go into Georgia, land kids, get, get kids out of Birmingham, Mobile, uh, kids out of Florida, occasionally the kid out of Louisiana. Texas sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. But I think that this staff, I'm very encouraged by the way that they are attacking this class. Well, and that's what you have to do, in my opinion. If you are Auburn and Hugh Freeze and you want to cement yourself as one of the best programs, not just in the Southeastern Conference, but in college football, you have to be able to recruit the kids in your own backyard. You have to be able to get the kids within 30 or 45 minutes or even an hour of Auburn, Alabama, because if you are allowing Alabama and Georgia and all those schools you just mentioned to come in and get kids from Central or Auburn High or Opelika or wherever, then you're doomed. If you can't recruit the kids that are hometown heroes, then you are never going to be successful long-term in college football. That's why you see a lot of Tuscaloosa County kids, they go to play at Alabama. There's a lot of talent there, and they go and play at Alabama because it's right there, and they recruit their own backyard. If you're Auburn, you start to do that, and I like how you put that. If you get this area locked down, you then start to expand, and you can start creeping up into the other parts of the state and keep going into Georgia and into Mississippi and all those other states. I mean, you you look at the class right now, you got a kid out of 
in state, just the inside the state, you've got Bryce Kane from Mobile, uh, Jaden Lewis from Aniston, mm-hmm. Amon Lane from Alabaster, Fat Burnett from Andalusia. You've and then you've got Joseph Phillips from Tuskegee. Like you've started to hit the in-state kids and land them vastly more effectively than what Brian Harson did. What you have and to, what you haven't done since. The heart of the Gus Malzahn era, and the because talent the end and, was not great, right? And the talent in the state of Alabama continues to get better and better yes. and better. These past two classes have been really strong, really strong, which is part of the reason why last year with Brian Harson was such a waste because that was arguably the best class mm-hmm. that the state of Alabama has ever had. This class is not that far off from that, but you didn't have a coach that cared enough to go out and recruit, didn't know enough about the state, didn't want to know enough about the state. To go win those battles, to make an impact with what should have been a significant big class for the future of Auburn. And instead, you bring in, you fire Brian Harson, you bring in Hugh Freeze, and Hugh Freeze does amazing work in the portal to go land 21 guys to revamp this roster. But 24, you're already starting to see the impact mm-hmm. of just effort and knowing what it takes and being relentless and not saying, okay, oh, well, this guy's trending towards Georgia. You had Joseph Phillips over the weekend when he came on his visit. He basically told Hugh Freeze, he said, hey, my, my mind's on, on Georgia right now. Like, that's where I'm at right now. He may as well have been wearing a Georgia hat when he walked in. And I bet you if, if that had been said to Brian Harson. Brian Harson been like, okay, like to cross him off the list. Like, yeah, it's like, over. Go ahead and leave. We but don't need you. Like, yeah. Josh Aldridge, absolutely. the linebackers coach, and Hugh Freeze instead said, okay, let's buckle down and let's let's change some minds here. And they did. And it seems like they're doing that as well with uh with Thompson on campus this weekend. The five-star wide receiver committed to Alabama. He'll be one of the five official visitors. Four of them are offensive linemen, and I think that's really important as well. 334-321-1390. Give us a call. We want to hear what you have to say about Auburn football recruiting. But when we come back, it's Friday. We'll have question of the day. What are you looking forward to the most this weekend in the world of sports? We'll talk about that coming up here on the Friday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, question of the day here on a Friday afternoon. Carter Bird, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. It's Friday. Got a lot going on in sports this weekend. Uh, I've seen a lot of people, they're talking because, you know, we're 80 days from college football and we're a few more days farther out than NFL football and and you know all the other big sports are we're just so many days away because we're in the middle of the summer you still got baseball going on college and MLB you still have golf going on uh those are those are the big ones racing going on there's still sports happening in this world and so Carter question of the day and to our listeners as well uh phone lines are open 334-321-1390 what are you looking forward to the most this weekend around the world of sports? Yeah, you know, I think I'm looking forward to this U.S. Open. I want to see if if my guy Ricky Fowler can finally win one. Can he go uh, four rounds? Or can, <laughs> can Rory hang in there enough to um, win another major for the first time in what feels like forever? Forever. Can he, can he get to five and pull back even with Brooks Kepka 
it's been what a decade since he's won a a major or close to it. I think what what was twenty fourteen his it was last it, major? Was it fourteen or fifteen that he won his last major? I You'd have to look it up. 14, I don't know it off the top of my I head. Yeah, he won the PGA Championship in 2014. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this U.S. Open, too. We got it on here in the studio. I've been the watching PGA it and keeping up with and it. And the Open in 2014. There you go. So he won. So we're going on nine two, years right. of him not winning a major, plus all of the drama that's been going on with the PGA and the Live. We know what Rory was when it I came to the PGA. I feel like that's looming as large as it did in the first couple. I don't think it is either. I don't think it is either. And especially, this is the first major since all of that happened. You know, you had the the Canadian Open, and then you have this. And, I mean, I haven't been just absolutely glued to the TV, but I've been, you know, I've been watching it and trying to keep up with it. And and as far as I know, they haven't made a huge deal about it. Yeah, uh, I I mean, I haven't heard, heard much about it. I mean, I feel, I think you've seen uh, some of the <laughs> sentiments change with how they've talked about uh, I mean, they were. I have. I wasn't expecting to hear this, but Phil Mickelson has finished second at the U.S. Open what four times in his career, and they're like, "Oh, if anybody deserves to win this, it's him." And I'm like, "Huh." I don't think we would have said that a month ago. I think we would have just avoided that. Yeah, and and he's not playing well. Apparently, he's getting heckled. <laughs> He was getting heckled a little bit at the end of his round yesterday. Yeah, he was two under coming into today. Last I saw him, he was at three over. Got all the way down to four over. Uh, Not exactly what you want to see. Probably not going to make it to the weekend at this point in time. Yeah, I saw earlier it was one over was the projected cut. I don't know what it... That was like when only half the guys had teed off. And so I'm sure it's something different now. But no, I'm excited for the U.S. Open. I think it'll be... uh should be a lot of fun. It should be drama. I mean, you look at the leaderboard, Ricky Fowers, Andrew Shoffley, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, like Cameron Smith. There's some big names on the leaderboard, as you would expect in in a major like this and so i'm excited for that should be uh, need, should be a lot of fun i needed an alabama fan or somebody who keeps track of golf um more than i do to tell me why justin thomas is awful right now he's yeah. not gonna make the cut again again a major it, I, it's gotta be the go-to when it comes to golf is just mental right that's the go-to when somebody just can't get there and just can't perform like we know they can we got another beautiful uh speeth hot mic today as well oh yes what he says is can we say it on the airwaves absolutely (laughs) uh but his hot mics are getting angrier and angrier they are you talk about a guy that struggles visibly struggles with like mental obstacles it's jordan spieth he went from he went from you know coming into the into the PGA tour was absolutely on fire and then dropped off like a rock and then has sort of come back he is but at the same time Jordan Spieth is one of the most vocal guys on the tour anyway when it comes yep. to when he's playing around he talks to the golf ball every time he hits it it's funny and i really really like his mic'd up moments with his caddy i really enjoy those as well yeah, yeah. I mean, he does that I, all the I time. I love the the dynamic there when they start talking back and forth. But, uh, yeah, this is an interesting tournament. We're something we're not accustomed to, watching this the scores be this low. I mean, you've got Fowler and Chaffele in the lead. They have not teed off yet today. They're also joined by Wyndham Clark, who is, I believe, 2-under through 15 today. He's at 8-under. Uh, he got up to 9 briefly 
Uh, but yeah, we don't see numbers this high Mm-mm. or this low, I guess, technically. Right. And, and we'll um, talk, we'll talk some more golf too, because, uh, Kyle Rush of dad bod golf pod with Ben Taylor, uh, he will be joining us at two 30 coming up in just a few minutes. So excited to talk to him about that. Also something else I'm excited about college world series officially underway for college baseball, TCU oral Roberts playing in game one. And it's one, nothing horn frogs in the top of the fifth and Virginia, Florida play later tonight. Yeah, that Virginia-Florida game is going to be really good. I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. This one, I mean, you can only get so excited about Oral Roberts and this TCU matchup just because they – I just don't think Oral Roberts has the juice to go out here and win this College World Series as a four seed. I think it's going to be very challenging for them oh, yeah. to beat some of these really, really good teams and really hot teams like this TCU team coming in. And the game of the weekend is tomorrow night, Tennessee and LSU. I mean, give me that game all day long. I, I'm so excited for, for Tennessee-LSU tomorrow I, I night. I sneaky think Florida-Virginia might might be the best of the four. Really? Interesting. Okay. I sneaky feel that way. I really do because I think it's going to be a really tough draw for for this Tennessee team to – go against Paul Skeens in that game and get a win with how we know that offense can kind of flicker out every now and then. Um, Virginia-Florida, I think, is a matchup of Virginia's offense is really, really good. Florida's a pretty well-rounded, pretty good team as well. Uh, Virginia had two dominant games in a row to round out their Super Regional after dropping their first game to Duke 5-4. to four. They won the next two, I think, by 10 apiece. I think it was 14-4 to four and 12-2. to two. They keep that offense going. That's going to be a really fun game tonight. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. College World Series officially underway. We'll talk some more baseball in hour number two when Jack Hudden joins us. But coming up, uh, stay tuned. Don't turn the radio dial. We have Kyle Rush of Dad Bod Golf Pod joining us to talk about the U.S. Open, who his pick is as we are underway in round number two. So should be a lot of fun. He'll talk PGA and live a controversy as well. So stay tuned. More of the Friday edition of On the Line when we come back. Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goetz. He is Carter Bird, and we are glad to be joined by Kyle Rush on the phone lines of the Dad Bod Golf Pod. He does that with Ben Taylor, who is host of Auburn Opelika this morning on News Talk WANI. Kyle, happy Friday, man. It's good to talk to you. You too, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm just sitting here watching a little live stream U.S. Open action, ready to ready to get get into it. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Is the U.S. Open? We'll talk about that. Also, get your thoughts on the uh, the PGA and Live controversy and all of that news that broke a while back and how that's impacting the U.S. Open this week. But yeah, let's start with the the golf that's actually happening as we are underway in round number two. What have you seen so far from the U.S. Open? Well, obviously the talk is the scoring. Uh, it's it, the, They just absolutely shredded the course yesterday. And um, the score so far today, a little bit higher, uh, Not, but there's still some good scores out there. And the second wave hasn't even gone off yet. So, um, I mean, I think this could be a 
definitely a double digit, maybe somewhere around 15, 16 under uh, winner uh, U.S. Open. So it's it's I don't think it's what they expected, um, but uh, it's uh, these guys are, are are tearing it up. So why is it that you see these scores going so low when we're typically not used to that? Typically, we're used to guys really having to grind out a round at the U.S. Open, and we've seen I mean we've seen winners. At, with over par scores in the past, but obviously you had in the I think it was the stat was Ricky Fowler had the forty seven thousandth four hundred and sixty sixth round in U.S. Open history, and it was the first sixty two. And Xander Schauffele had one twenty minutes after him uh, yesterday. Yeah. Why are we seeing scores so low at this U.S. Open? So uh, I was listening to, to some of the coverage, and uh, they're using a term that overusing a term that's really starting to annoy me. But they're talking <laughs> about this marine, this marine layer. But like, okay. just say fog, just fog or low low lying clouds. But this marine layer apparently has been around for a uh, a few days, few weeks now. Uh, that's why you don't see a lot of sun. It's very cloudy, and mm-hmm. it supposedly has uh, it holds moisture. So the, the ground's not drying out like they want it to. The greens are not, they're still soft. They're not able to get that, that hard, bouncy firmness that, that you typically see at the U.S. Open. And then they also said it stunts the growth of the rough. So, like, they want the rough even higher. They wanted the rough even higher than what you're seeing uh, today. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the guys are able to, you know, you're able to go at, at pins. You're not having to, you know, run stuff up on the green and they're just they're able to just hit it and go and uh i think the the firmness of the of the course has a lot to do with it it's just not able to with the weather conditions uh able to really get it to that peak um you know hard and fast that the u.s open is traditionally um you know thought of with these scores going so low at this U.S. Open, are we going to see the U.S. Open come back with a vengeance next year? I think it's at uh, Pinehurst, right? Are we going to see? Are we going to see like an overpar winner again? Well, Pinehurst is a is a monster yes. in and of itself. Um, so they they don't have to do a lot to that place to make it really really tough, and it's going to be in uh, you know Pinehurst North. It's, it's going to be hot, humid, uh, hard and fast. Um, I would see. I mean. I think the last time, I think this was a, that was a Martin Keimer. I think one the last time they played there, shot. I think it was like eight under. So I think you're gonna somewhere that or lower. I, I, you're, you're probably gonna get a lot more traditional U.S. Open scoring uh, next year. But it's just you can't not go to California. You know, I mean, you got Pebble Beach, you got Torrey Pines, you got a lot of uh, you know famous uh, landmarks, and then this course is just insane some of the real estate they're showing around you got lionel richie's mansion that's like 25 30 million dollars overlooking overlooking the course it's just it's it's crazy that this is in the like almost downtown los angeles uh it's 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 wild i'm glad they're playing here because i I like seeing you know courses that you can you can it's really hard to see but it's definitely um it definitely has a. Uh, it definitely does not have a U.S. Open feel just based off the scoring so far. Right, and, and I feel like when you look at the course itself, like it looks difficult, but in a way, if in my opinion, in this course, if you just put it in the fairway and get it close on the green, you're going to go low, and that's what we've seen over the first day and a half. Yeah, the the front nine is 
I mean, I'm saying this obviously not from my skill level, but for these guys, the front line is just is is a very easy front nine in a U.S. Open. You have um, it's it's only 3,500 yards. It does have three par threes, but even the par the the par fives are like the hole number one is just a almost guaranteed birdie to start off the day. Like you go, it's a downhill par five. These guys hit driver and um, you know driver mid iron in, and uh, they're it's just it's just you know routine type stuff, uh, and then you know it gets really tough on the back nine, gets really long on the back nine. Uh, but other than that, uh, I, I agree. It's it's just um, it doesn't seem like it seems like it could be a lot harder. Uh, it looks a lot harder than it's playing. Mm-hmm. We're speaking with Kyle Rush, who is with the Dad Bod Golf Pod here on the Friday edition of On the Line. I'll tell you what's unfair about this golf course is the fact that they have some par threes that are almost 300 yards. I would, I would, I would hit a driver. I literally would hit a driver. You wouldn't get it there, and probably not. No, <laughs> and maybe if I got some roll. But Kyle, is that not just a, a a daunting thing to look at when you step up to a par three and these guys are having to pull out five wood to get it to the green? Oh yeah, it's got to be. Uh, it's it, that's got to be intimidating. I'd have to play it like a short par four. You know, I'd, I'd have to find a layup spot. Uh, <laughs> it, it would be. Um, it's got to be intimidating for sure. Um, it, some of them don't really play that full yardage because they're either downhill or they can uh, they can bounce. You know, bounce it short and run up onto the green. But uh, but yeah, those are, those are very intimidating. When you look at this leaderboard, I know those scores are lower than we were expecting. How satisfied are you with the names that you see up there right now? You've got Ricky Fowler, Shafale, uh, you've got DJ, Rory, Finau now all up there at the top. Are we going to get an exciting finish at this U.S. Open? Or, I mean, are we going to see Shafale and, and uh, Ricky just keep running away with it? Uh, I think you're going to – I like I like where the leaders are at the, at the moment. You're just going to have to – you got your DJ and laying there. You got Bryson that could probably that's sitting there at three under. You got Rory. I think you're gonna as as the weekend plays out, the the, the cream's gonna rise. Um, it, I, I'm excited to where it's where it's at currently. When your your guy Sam Bennett, the Texas A&M golfer that went pro what a few weeks ago, the 23 year old charging up there up to six under. What do you what do you think about that? Love it, man. Kid's a stud. He uh. Uh, yeah, he just no no fear like just just put me out there and i'll and i'll go play i, I love it so i've i didn't see him where he's at oh yeah so i've i've been a big ricky fowler fan for years and years and i've always picked him to win majors and it just never ever goes even sort of my way but you didn't we, this time are we seeing a resurgence in ricky fowler's career because he really fell off over the, over the past couple of years but he's played really well this year, and obviously he set the uh, U.S. Open record with a 62 in his opening round. Yeah, uh, look, Ricky, he struggled. It's been no, it's been almost lost his card. Um, had to use a lot of sponsors exemptions uh, over the uh, last couple of years. Went through a complete swing change, equipment change, everything, and uh, he looks like a completely different player. He's playing unbelievable golf. Uh, six top tens already this year. Um, uh, I, I, I would there would be nothing would make me more happy than to, to see him him take one. Uh, finally get his major. 
And I think a lot of golf fans are in that boat. I mean, he's a he's a likable guy. He doesn't make a whole lot of enemies. Uh, and he's just one of those guys that I think most golf fans, if not all golf fans, cheer for when it comes to, uh, to Ricky Fowler. We're talking to Kyle Rush of the Dad Bod Golf Pod. Kyle, coming into this week, we know what the biggest storylines were. It was the PGA and the Live with the news that we got a while back of the, the so-called merge under the same umbrella, whatever they want to call it, your team take on all of that and then uh, the secondary to that is how it is impacted or could impact the U.S. Open for the rest of the weekend so I, I'm still sort of uh, I'm still sort initially obviously I was shocked excited and then once I started to kind of read of what could and couldn't happen could live go away and they, they all come back to the PGA Tour is live going to be a thing I think we're just going to uh, have to wait and see how that plays plays out. I'm I'm going to be honest. If if Live goes completely away, and then it's just the P, the PGA Tour as it stood two years ago, uh, I'm going to be I'm going to feel sort of jipped. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to feel jipped because I feel like there's could have been something special or can be something special with this PGA Tour Live rivalry. And if you you can you can bottle that up and have some crossover events. Ryder Cup style, Ryder Cup style stuff, and then the showdowns and the majors. There's something special there, and uh, if we just if we just spent a year and a half and sacrificed watching really good fields, really good uh, PGA fields um, all week, uh, all all season, and then you just turn around and and you get it right back the way it was, and then you're supposed to be sold that hey, it's some, it's great for golf. Hey, it was great for golf. You know, we we had this two years ago. Uh, why, and we're just getting it back in the same form. So hopefully it's going to be um, something that uh, hopefully it's going to, we're going to keep that um, live versus uh, PGA Tour rivalry because I think it makes majors more interesting and I think it can make golf in general a lot more interesting. There's a lot of buzz, I guess, around this, this merger with the antitrust litigation that was filed between the two tours against each other. Now they're merging are there legitimate concerns that, that this this merger could fall through and that happens? I mean, are we just going to go back to where where we were? Well, I don't think you can go back to where you were because the PGA Tours kind of put their uh, showing all their cards. <laughs> you know, hey, yeah. hey, the money's not so bad anymore. Uh, hey, we're we're able to to work together. We're we're actually going to be able to work together now. So you kind of shown your cards. So if it falls through, it's terrible for the PGA Tour. I don't think it will. Um, I'm just the biggest thing I'm concerned about is what happens with the live PGA Tour uh, rivalry thing. It's an interesting perspective that you are on the rivalry part and you want them to be separate. I like that though. It's different. I, I like that take uh, from from you, Kyle. Kyle Rush, who is with the Dad Bod Golf Pod, uh, joining us here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Man, we appreciate you and your time talking about the U.S. Open, talking PGA and live. Tell everybody what you got going on and where they can find your podcast. Absolutely, guys. You can find find us anywhere you get a go, anywhere you can get a podcast. Uh, we're on uh, weekly. Uh, ben and I, two average dudes talking golf like we act like we know what we're talking about. It's a lot of fun, but Love a little it. bit of above average golf game, right? Uh, well, <laughs> no, we'll just we'll just say we'll say average to below. How about that? That'll work. Hey, man, we appreciate your time, brother. Good to talk to you. 
All right, you too. Thanks, bye. That is Kyle Rush again with the Dad Bod Golf Pod joining us here uh, as we are wrapping up hour number one on the Friday edition of On the Line, talking U.S. Open, talking PGA and live as well. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap it up. Jack Cudden joins us at hour number two here on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Kyle Rush of Dad Bod Golf Pod. He does it with Ben Taylor, uh, who is, of course, host of Auburn of Belica this morning over on our sister station, News Talk WANI 98.7. Uh, and we talked a little golf. We'll wrap it up with some golf as well uh, with the U.S. Open. Yeah, it really is just... It is crazy. It's almost weird to see the low scores right now in the U.S. Open because it's known to be one of those where you have to grind it out and the winner is at like one under, two under, three under, or even even par. We've seen that. And so it is weird to see guys go for 62 on day one. And in talking with Kyle, it just seems like the course is just it's just borderline easy for these guys right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been very interesting to watch how um, they have attacked the course and posted low scores. I mean, even today, Wyndham Clark, he's a couple under. Uh, Harris English, three under. Sam Bennett, who we brought up yes, in our sir. conversation with Kyle, the Texas A&M golfer who's been pro for, what, less than a month? And he's three under, and he's currently tied for fourth at the U.S. Open. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, you see, you're seeing guys that 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 are playing well, that are able to attack this course because the fairways are so wide. I think it's 43 and a half yards wide is the average fairway, uh, and I think they said that. Your PGA Tour average is 50% in terms of fairway fairways hit. I think yesterday they were they were close to 70%. Wow. Um, which I think that's part of the reason why. I mean, when you hit your first ball really far, like most of these guys do, and it's in the fairway, it makes the game easier. Mm-hmm. It just does. Yeah. And in in one thing that I talked to that I asked Kyle about is those borderline 300 yard par threes. I mean, how insane is that? They the pros are taking out five woods and hitting a golf ball and trying well, to drop it onto the to the green. I I feel like there's got to be some downhill, some wind at your back, something like that to help you out a bit. Because I mean, they have a 553 yard par four That's on this ridiculous. course as well. That I is mean, insane. And guys are obviously getting to the green in two and. I mean, you've got some drivable par fours. I think this this sixth hole that we're currently on the TV watching Rory hit a hit a little wedge into yesterday. He went for it, trying to get to the green. Uh, if you can hit a big draw around that that big tree that blocks the entire view of the green, you can uh, you can have a chance to to have an eagle putt. You're probably not going to make it because it's probably going to be thirty plus feet, mm-hmm. but you can have a look. Did you see the shot that Rory had yesterday? Was it on 18 where he was in that thick rough off the side of the green? And and he he basically he was trying to chip it out of the rough onto the green, had a whatever club, I don't know what it was, sandwich or whatever, and he swung down and he hit it 
and it went absolutely nowhere. He he, just, he couldn't get it out. He took a swing, tried to chip it out, and could not get it anywhere. It went zero yards, zero feet, zero inches. It did not move, but it counted as a stroke because he still yeah. hit the ball. I think he had the farthest hit ball and <laughs> yeah, the shortest hit ball. He had a 382-yard drive on his first swing of the day, and then he had that ball that did not move a millimeter. Literally. I mean, it's crazy, but that's what I was saying is like, if you're not in the fairway, then you're 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 in trouble. Which yeah, you could say that about a lot of golf courses, but especially this one at the LA Country Club, with all of that thick grass and just patchiness and the weird looking bunkers, like if you're not in the fairway, you're in trouble. That sixth hole is so interesting. If you, there's two layup spots, you can yep. go right of the tree, uh, way out right of the green. Or you can go left of the tree, and then you got to go over a bunker and all this thick rough. It's a, it's an incredibly shallow green. Mm-hmm. If you look at it dead on, it's just eleven yards in depth. And so, like Brooks Kepka right there, he hits a little chip into the green. It's a, it's got a nice backstop behind it, but it snuck up into the thick rough, and then he backspun it out of it to six inches. It's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. It's a course that. It's cool to watch, but I just don't think I'd want to play because it, my score would be horrible. I mean, it would be terrible. And so, but that's why these guys are pros and they're shooting some of the lowest rounds you'll see in a U.S. Open. And again, the, the names on this leaderboard, it's going to be exciting this weekend. It's tough. We can make a pick. We didn't really get to do that yesterday or, or on Wednesday before it all started, but you, we can make a pick either way. Given what the leaderboard looks like and who's playing well going into the weekend, who are you confident in, Carter, when it comes to the U.S. Open and who could win this thing? I mean, I, I, I kind of like I like the guys right now, like Harris English, like Wyndham Clark, that are on the course posting a low number. Even Rory, these guys who are almost done with round two and are sitting – kind of there lurking. Wyndham Clark has pulled even with the lead. Harris English is one back. Rory's two back. Sam Bennett's two back. I think Sam Bennett will probably fade at some point. But nah. I, like these guys I think he holds posting strong. these solid rounds in the second round, you're not going crazy low, but putting some pressure on Fowler and, and Xander, who have not teed off yet. Which is they crazy. They don't tee off for another hour, which I think uh, Rory had the the Xander Schauffele tee time yesterday. He finished after 9 o'clock Central Time, which is hilarious. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, if you can post a number and make those guys feel a little bit of pressure, because the scores are not as low as they were yesterday. I think the lowest round on the course that I have seen is around 3 under. Uh, It might be 4 under now that English is at 7 under. But um, it's been a fascinating day, and I – I wonder if Fowler and Shuffle are a little bit tight when they get going today. Could be. And, and the big question with Ricky Fowler is, again, can he finish, man? Can he win the tournament? And, and we'll find out. How about Dustin Johnson at 5-under? He's got a couple of holes to go. He had a quadruple bogey. He shot an 8 on a 4, on a par 4, and yet he's still in contention. He's only 3 back. Should be a really, really fun weekend. Uh, if you are into the game of golf, you're watching it. If you're not... I recommend you tune into it anyway, the U.S. Open this weekend. Hey, we'll get to the phone lines when we come back, and Jack Hudden joins us as we start hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. 
on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Friday, everybody, as we get underway in hour number two here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. And we have Jack Hutton joining us in studio for hour number two. Hello, sir. How's it going, fellas? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. Lots to talk about. How are you, buddy? Hey, man. There's yeah, lots going another on. Another day in paradise. It is. It? Hey, at least it's not raining today, right? Yeah, at least that's it's right. Not, not even raining. It's not thunderstorming today. And, and I need my backyard to dry out. That's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> the whole town is flooded, it seems like, with all the thunderstorms. But it is a nice, beautiful day, and we are underway in hour number two. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch the podcast after the show today at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we talked some Auburn football recruiting, kind of recapping the uh, the busy, busy week it's been for Hugh Freeze and Auburn football. Talked about some of the guys that are going to be on campus this weekend, a five-star wide receiver and some offensive linemen and so we talked about that we also had kyle rush of the dad bod golf pod who joined us talking the u.s open and pga and live and so that was all in an hour number one go and catch up with the podcast later on today at espnau.com but here in hour number two let's start off by getting to the phone lines and they are open we'd love to hear from you on this friday afternoon 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 and we start off hour number two with tie the tie who's held on through the break man how are you i'm doing great guys on this friday how are y'all doing good man. all right Ty. good to hear man. from you long time no here yes sir yes sir sorry man been busy but i i try to i try to at least listen if i don't uh call make some contributions on on uh on some you. things but appreciate man, you know um i just want to say man i am i am a hundred percent rooting for fowler i just want the kid to get his first one Literally, um, I, I, I read a little article about before the thing started, you know, short courses are a little bit favorable for him. So I, I did take a little wager. Uh-oh. I might have a little mo- motivation on me wanting Fowler to win. But a, fr- I a friendly know. wager, right? Now, a friendly tie. wager? A friendly wager. That's right. Um, his <laughs> hypothetical odds to win one. it. <laughs> his, his odds to win it was plus Forty-eight hundred. Dang. Okay. Fifteen dollars wins you seven hundred and thirty-five dollars. That's what they say, right? That's what they say. I don't. I don't know. You don't know that for a fact. I don't know if it's a hundred percent accurate, but we're gonna we're gonna find out Sunday at about five (laughs) o'clock. Ty, you better be careful. They're gonna ask you to coach Alabama baseball this upcoming season. (laughs) There you go. That was a good one on a Friday. I like that. I'm coming out swinging, baby. Ty, Ty, I I don't know if you're watching about when these rounds are finishing. It may be you may be finding out at like nine ten p.m. on Sunday night because they they didn't finish the the first round until like nine forty five. Yeah, but you know half the golfers will be out on Sunday. Yeah, they'll, you know, won't they'll just the start later. Like, yeah. yeah, they'll start a little later, though. But I think, man, they were talking about not cutting these greens and not watering them and all this, man. 
they were all ready. Did y'all see that that putt that's been going around like on Sports Center of, of Roy McIlroy where he putted it? I mean, literally, it almost went off the fringe in the rough, mm-hmm. and then turned around and came back. And I mean, it was a it was a it was a heck of a shot. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like the guy was putting it off the green. But man, um, I think it's pretty cool this course too. Um, you know, I, I think it was like 1940 or 1930 something. The last time a major has been played there, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I, I like the course. It looks really neat. It's just the fact that the players are just tearing it up right now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think that's why they want to speed it up to you know shoot them scores up, make it a little bit more competitive. Mm-hmm. But it's just a, it's short. You know, and and again, man, anybody can cut, can hit the ball uh, a country mile. You know, I've I've, I've played with plenty, plenty of guys who out drove me fifty yards every shot. And, you know, you you what, what's all you you drive for show, but for dough, man. That's right. And, and that's that's who's gonna make their money this weekend. And uh, I think Fowler's got a good shot, man. I'm I'm like I said, I'm rooting for him in more ways than one. That's right. Well, um, I think a lot of people are rooting for Ricky Fowler. We talked about that in the first hour. I mean, he is a he's a likable guy. He seems like he's a fan favorite. He just hasn't done anything in a while. And he's like 35, 34 now. He still looks twelve. I mean, still looks twelve. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, he he looks young, no doubt. He he, yeah, I mean, he looks younger than he ever has uh, actually you know been or whatever. But uh, is he still rocking anyway, the uh, mustache? I think so. I think I saw him yesterday. You know, he he always likes them bright puma colors. Oh yeah, that. oh yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, if anything, if anything, he's gotten a little more subdued. A little the the colors are a little more. It's a lot more white and gray than it used to be. Back when he was. Yeah. 26 clean when he was 26 clean, it was clean. about as bright orange as it could get well maybe his was, i'm pretty well, sure he's well, a newlywed huh? was one one tournament yeah well <laughs> rory's rory's wearing that bright pink shirt today yeah well guys man i just wanted to um call and just i just really i mean a lot of people you know like football but don't pay attention yeah. They don't know what they're looking at, and they don't know when something that seems such a minute um, accomplishment as a four-star linebacker um, commits to your program. But, I mean, guys, that was a huge deal for Mr. Hugh Freeze. You better believe it. You better believe it. Ty, I'm not when 100% certain that – He's going to end up as a four star at the end of this process. Wow, you're 100 percent right, and and that's another thing. And uh, what was the other kid that man? I went and watched him, the receiver out Bryce of Kane. Daphne or Fort Payne. Yes, Bryce Kane out of, out of Baker. Kid, Baker in uh, Mobile. Is he, okay, down that way, but. That kid, if he ends up a three star, we need to reevaluate the star <laughs> I'm program. You. I'm with you. And, and I mean, there's unless he's just playing like one A or two A, and I mean, this kid is blowing folks off the field. What, he, six I mean, or seven A? Are they seven A? Is Baker seven A? Baker is seven A. I, yeah. I thought Baker was seven A. Baker's yeah. top. Dick, okay. Baker's top class. I, I, I didn't. I, man, it's gotten so confusing with the six and seven. But I, again, I just <laughs> didn't know. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I just. I mean, again, if you watch his highlight tape, I just don't understand how the kid's a three star, 
but I'm I'm excited. It's, it's, it's most excited I've been for a three star in a very long time. Right, and, and Ty, <laughs> you know? I think it I think it shows how good Hugh Freeze is when it comes to recruiting at just seeking out talent and not really caring about what their stars and rank is on whatever site you want to use. Right, I mean he just right. he goes out and gets the players that he thinks are good. He thinks will fit his program, fit his narrative, and and so far it looks good. Right, but as we continue to to remind folks, it's got to work out on the field and we'll see if it does this fall and and uh the uh, the fort the linebacker man his name is it joe not joe joe phillips joseph phillips. Joseph, uh-huh. phillips joseph phillips okay joseph phillips that kid almost committed to georgia and that's what i was saying is about how big that is 100 because, because brian harson never had a chance to, to to get a kid to come to auburn um gus malzahn was struggling now he got a couple that he was struggling to flip kids from Alabama and Georgia. Now, once Hugh starts getting kids that are that are looking at Georgia and Georgia wants them, and like y'all said, this kid's a talent. He's not going to be a he's not going to be a four star when he graduates, in my opinion. Looking at his tape, I don't know why he is now, but at the same time, now that Hugh Freeze is starting down that path, man, all he needs is some success. Mm-hmm. That's all he needs, and then the other kids just start rolling in as well. But you know. Man, he, you know, I hate to use that whole, um, dang, what was that? What was the Tennessee coach name? The brick by brick. Well, who said that? <laughs> Man, I can't That's, remember. Was that Butch, Butch Jones? Jones. Yeah. Butch He's at Arkansas Butch State right now yeah. having a rough time. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he was having a rough time at Tennessee State. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, he was definitely brick by brick in it right now. And it's, it's showing. And again, if you, you know, it's, you know, all we got is baseball right now. You know, and so if yeah. you're not paying attention to anything else, and 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 you, and you are paying attention to some recruiting because this is slow right now, man. That was huge, guys. That no was doubt. huge. It that was, was it that was it was massive. Time. And and just not only that, just you know, uh, it, it all again that one domino. The the next kid goes well. If that kid, I know him. I've been to camp with him. I've been to seven oh seven with him. I've I've seen him. If mm-hmm. he's gonna go there, what's going on over there? Maybe there's something. Maybe I need to talk to you. Maybe you know. It just starts that whole buzz, man. I'm just I'm excited about that. I've been waiting. You know, we've gotten some good players, but I can't remember any that we beat out some I mean, every you know, every big school was after this kid and he chose Auburn. I can't remember any of those besides the um uh was it Fowler? Oh, 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 um oh, four star defensive end. Is it Fowler? I'm not God, I'm not hundred percent sure. Oh, it's, oh it's, Falk? It's, Falk? Keldrick Falk. Falk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you've, okay. You've, you've got too much R- Ricky Fowler on the brain right <laughs> I know, now. That's <laughs> well, that's what I was – you were throwing me man. off. I was like – I was, I was, I was racking the, my I was brain. Dante Fowler. And I'm thinking, I was like, what? I he's been out of the college in Florida for a while. So it was in my head, but sorry. But, I mean, again, that's the only one that I could think of that kind of had offers everywhere else but kind of came here. But I think Kane Lee as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think this guy. I think this guy is a step above both of them, and a bigger talent. And I think Kirby and Nick wanted them more yeah. than those kids. I think this was a steal, as much as you know. I think more of the Falk and, and Lee. We showed them more love, and, and you know, than, than I think George did, and that's why they felt more at home and kind of came, you know. But I think this was a steal, man. I think this was huge. I think we can remember this day. In about two or three years, uh, when these kids start playing and all that, and we're gonna say, "Man, that was it right there. That was the brick." So, very, very well, man, good. Y'all have a good one, man. Enjoy y'all's Friday. 
I, I, I'll call y'all and talk to y'all Monday, man. That sounds good, man. Hey, good to hear from you, Ty. We appreciate you calling in. Happy Friday to you, uh, and hope you have a great weekend. That is Ty the Tiger calling in to start off hour number two. Phone lines are open. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from anyone else as well. 334-321-1390. Uh, we got a few minutes before break. And, Jack, obviously uh, we haven't had a chance to talk to you and get your thoughts on a lot of the things Ty was just talking about when it comes to Auburn football recruiting. It was slow there for a while. Auburn was set on five they had five dudes committed in 24 and Hugh Freeze and everybody told us they said just wait just wait just wait just wait it's coming and that's what we said that's what we've been talking about and then all of a sudden you get three of them this week and it came this week yes it did I mean the biggest one of course you get Joe Phillips who is top 150 player pretty consensus is that consensus Lee is that a word um within the top 150 in I don't think amongst, consensusly is a amongst word. most recruiting I'm sites. I'm about to Google uh, it. There's he's in, unanimously. Unanimously probably is a, is a better word there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so this is a guy, and like I said kind of during that call, I am really high on this guy. I've actually seen him play in person. Um, he's got really, really good get off from the line. I think the only thing that might be holding him back a little bit is his usage of hands at the line. So how does he get off against – um, tackles that are going to be a little bit quicker than him. I think that's Phillips? the only. Yeah, I think that's the I think only. He's going to play middle linebacker. Him. I do too. I do too. And that's why I think the the knock on him has been, well, how does he get off around the edge? And my thing is, I don't think he needs to. Yeah. I think all he needs to do is read the ball and be the ball hawk in the middle of the field. So see ball, get ball. Yeah. I think that was part of the developments here over the last few weeks. Was he was going to be an edge if he came to Auburn, and then Georgia was like, hey. You could play inside linebacker. And then Auburn had to be like, well, daggum, you can play inside linebacker too. <laughs> you know what? That's <laughs> what we want for you. How, how convenient is that? Well, shucky darn, you can play middle <laughs> linebacker. Well, no, but it's it's a big one. I mean, obviously, and you've seen, you know, on 247 and on three, I mean, you see all these guys who have, they'll have offers from Georgia, Alabama, LSU. This guy had legitimate offers from from all those programs and more. And so um, when you start talking about this guy, this is a big get. Um, I, I don't think, think he was a big camp is, guy until this this year, he which was is not, why you're seeing him up. become a very highly rated four-star. On three's got him as high as 71 in their yeah, rankings. Right, which is why I think he's going to continue to move up. I think he's going up even further this year. And I think you see him top 50 player in the end, which is why I say – I think it's still plausible for him to maintain to get to five-star status and it's just so it, you cannot express it enough ty talked about it we talked about it yesterday on the show um just how massive it is not only to land him because yes that is big but the fact that you truly flipped joseph phillips from from georgia you flipped him because we all know we we've all read it and talked about it and, and gotten the information before he came on his visit before he came to campus he was Georgia. He was a Georgia Bulldog. He was going to be a Georgia Bulldog. He was going to commit to Kirby Smart. He was getting graphics made. All of that was happening. And then he came to Auburn, and Hugh Freeze and company got the job done. And they said, well, here's look, Georgia's great, but here's why you need to be here. And he, he had some quotes, uh, did Joseph Phillips, talking about how yeah, Georgia's a great place, and I was going to be the ninth or 10th guy over there where if I come to Auburn, I can be the guy right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what is is important, and, and I think that's what Hugh Freeze and this staff are using to their advantage. A lot of times you, you look at it from the outside and you're like, wow, they don't have hardly any talent. They had so many people leave, whatever, whatever. 
But Hugh Freeze and this staff have used that to their advantage of, yeah, we're bare to the bones, man. We need some dudes in the room. If you come play for us, you're going to be our guy for the next three years. He'll play from day one. Um, and I mean, I really do think that, especially if he shows up in the spring. I think you see you're looking at a guy who can play day one. Maybe not starting for you, but will certainly be in your rotation. Talking about recruiting-wise, this is an illustration of, of what we've heard about Hugh Freeze as being, you know, you hear about the head coaches being the closer on a recruiting staff, like your Kirby Smart and your Nick Sapens. They tend to be the guy that you send in when you're ready to to get a commitment from the guy. I think Hugh Freeze was involved with this one um, pretty substantially, and I think that when he came on campus, you know, you didn't hear too much about him. You know, People didn't really see him at camp. He was kind of behind closed doors. I think Hugh Freeze and Auburn really worked on Joe Phillips and said – you know, here's the reasons why you got to be here. And we're seeing that, you know, to use a, a baseball term, Hugh Freeze has a wicked cutter because he closed it out pretty well, didn't he? Uh, he 100% oh, yeah. did. And, and again, it's a guy that not only did you flip him, not only did you get him to come to your team, this is a guy, and I said this yesterday, this is a guy that Georgia desperately wanted. They wanted him. Kirby Smart, they were doing everything they could to get Joseph Phillips, and yet he still chose Auburn. And, and Ty brought up a really good point, did Ty the Tiger on the phone lines. He said he talked about what we have been saying, the ripple effect, right? Where word of mouth will start to get around, where a guy like this decides to come play at Auburn, it turns heads. It, it turns heads in the Southeast. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. He he flipped from Georgia to go to Auburn? Absolutely. And and people start talking about that, and they, they want to know what's going on, too. And you uh, know who – I'm sorry, Cart, just one more thing. You know who else talks about that – other recruits Bingo. they're seeing it yeah and and i think that you're starting to build some momentum you've got guys who are all the way bought in i mean you've seen amon lane and fat burnett have shut down their recruitments this i week. love that trend by the way i was going to talk about that at some point but yeah keep going i'm sorry you, you <laughs> saw them shut down their their recruitments you started to see some some fireworks pop off here and i mean who knows i mean fourth of july is coming up maybe Maybe more recruiting fireworks continue to pop off. Wow. That was good. That was good. (laughs) That was good. I like that. Well, hey, we'll take a break. We'll come back because I know you want to talk some more about this, Jack. We want to get some more of your thoughts and of our listeners' thoughts as well. 334-321-1390. I know you got thoughts on Auburn football recruiting. Give us a call here on the Friday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines once again. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, guys. How's it going? Going well. Right, going Terry. well. Hey, Carter. Hey, Jack. How y'all doing? Doing all right. How are you? Good, man. Good. Pretty good. Um, now that Auburn has stolen a player from Georgia, I'm going to steal from Alabama. Can we arrange that? Uh, I think they're working on it. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean they're I working mean, on it, Terry. I mean, if you want a place to start, there is a guy on campus this weekend that would make some waves in Perry Thompson. Well, I just, I mean, they they they've had their run, and look, I, I can already hear it. I mean, Alabama fans freaked out last year when they lost two games, so you know, I, I can well, see it coming. Like I they're said, they lose three this year, and then four in twenty four, okay. and it's going to continue mm-hmm. downward. And I think, look, with Perry Thompson being on campus, the fact that he is a longtime Alabama commit, um, the fact that he is coming to campus, and it's for an official visit. And so, I mean, look, is is he going to flip? We don't know. But 
Auburn is doing everything they can to do that. And the mm-hmm. fact that you get one to flip from Georgia is a great sign. And the fact that you get Perry Thompson on campus is another great sign in my book. Well, I mean, uh, with Perry, I don't know much about him. Could you bring me up a date on this guy? He is the five-star Alabama wide receiver commit that has mm-hmm. been to Auburn a bunch recently uh, from Foley. Six foot three, two hundred two pounds. The number fourteen oh, wow. player in the two four seven rankings. Thirty one player in the two four seven composite. Five star in both of them. Uh, number two player in the state of Alabama. He is. He has some quotes out there where he said, "Yeah, if he didn't go to Alabama, he he'd be coming to Auburn for sure." So he's come to Auburn a few times, and he's. I think he's on his official visit right now. Maybe if I recall correctly, Jack. He is. Yes. Yes. Correct. Impressive. Very impressive. Six three two zero two, and and I'm ah, that's impressive right there. And that add really that is. to what they've already done when it comes to wide receiver recruiting, and and, I, and whether that one happens or not, they're not done. Well, you don't have to wonder. A receiver ain't gonna wonder about who the quarterback's gonna be because the quarterback Walker White's already gonna be there. Well, you we got, already yeah. know. They, I mean, they already got, know that. You got Peyton Thorne for what you could be for two years, and then yeah, right. what would you would believe to be Walker White? Or and, and look, even if it's not Walker White for whatever reason, I think we can have the confidence in Hugh Freeze to get another quarterback if he needed to that could step in and, and take the job. Look, I don't mean to put you guys on the spot here, so I'm gonna apologize up front. But what do you think Auburn's running back room looks like if the if the whatever's going on goes on. I mean, what, what is it, who's the starter? I mean, we know that Jacquez Hunter is number one. We, we know that we don't – I don't want to get into that story. It's ridiculous. But you know, you, can you guys kind of see where I'm going? Because I, I definitely don't want to put you three guys on the spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, the fact that Jacquez Hunter I – don't, I don't think anything has changed with his status. We have not heard anything one way or the other. I'm going into the year expecting Jacquez Hunter to be the starting running back. Something were to happen – Okay. I think you see an immediate shift to a bigger role for Damari Austin and Jeremiah Cobb. Uh, and those two guys would have to carry a significant role or a significant load. But I think you'd be okay. And Sean Jackson would as well. And, I mean, when you look out there uh, as well, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, Carter, didn't I hear you say last week that the, the starting running back from uh, Liberty was in the portal and hadn't been picked yes, up yet? Yes, I think uh, Day Day Hunter is still in the portal. Last I checked, uh, 850 yards last year, eight touchdowns, 147 receiving and a touchdown. Uh, last I checked, he had not ended up anywhere. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any updates since so uh, all else fails. as of three days ago. He's still in the portal. Well, I mean, I'd look, look. I hope everything works out with Hunter. We all know that. We all know how good he is and can be. But the improvements in the offensive line, how many times have we said this, guys? A great offensive line can make an average running back look really good. Oh, yeah. What if Barry Sanders could have ran behind the Dallas Cowboy offensive line? I've said that a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would have made 2,000 yards look normal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I think that – I think Auburn's going to be okay at, at running back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you've got a nice group there. Uh, of guys that have a lot of different skill sets. I mean, Sean Jackson's not a bad walk-on back. To it's going to be better than people think. Roster. I think. I think Auburn has had Auburn's had backs on the roster in recent memory that are that were on scholarship that were significantly worse than Sean Jackson. I'll say that. No, I like the Sean Jackson running back. If you got a twenty-seven, twenty-three lead with two minutes to go, he can help you grind the clock out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, it'll come down to ball I'm security not, at I'm that not point. Sure about how many uh, 
SEC defenses, he's going to get more than two, two and a half yards of carry on because he's just, I mean, he's a bowling ball. He's 5'9", 240 pounds. Mm, I thought he was a little bit, a little bit smaller than that, actually. I knew he was 240, but that's a big boy. He is. He is. He, right he, there. He, he is a, a, a bigger running back, but you can use that to your advantage. I think you're starting. Yeah, sure. to get, I think you're starting to get also some guys like you know. I think Damari Alston is probably getting to a point now where maybe you don't trust him fully as this like every down back. But I think in the case that Jarquez, right? Like let's say for some reason Jarquez Hunter and this thing is is not resolved by the season starts. You know, you you probably would go with Damari Alston as your top back, given that he's the one that's got some experience in the backfield. Brian Batty, I guess, is going to be your probably your change of base, your pace back then. Um, and then, yeah, you, you could probably see Sean Jackson get some carries there. But again, I, I don't really think that uh, this is going to be much of an issue. I mean, I think this will be handled internally pretty pretty swiftly. Now, guys, who was the who was the running back in 2010? I can't remember the name altogether. There was real good at those toss sweeps. Just get outside and just go. Ontario McCaleb. Ontario McCaleb. That's it. That's it. That's it. Carter. Yep. He he was so good. And that's how I see Ryan Batiste, quite honestly. And, and kind of what Jack was saying sounds like without Hunter be running back by committee, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, no, not at all. Not at all at all. Hey Terry, we're up against a break, man. We got to sure. get out of here. All right, take care, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, Terry. Appreciate the call. Have a good weekend as well. That is Terry joining us on the phone lines as well. A couple of good calls here as we are uh, halfway through hour number two. Phone lines are open, though. Give us a call if you have something to say. We'd love to talk with you. 334-321-1390. When we come back, we'll talk some more of the SEC scheduling as Jack Hutton is still with us for hour number two. ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, 30 more minutes here on the Friday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goetz. He is Carter Bird. We're joined by Jack Hudden in studio here in hour number two. We appreciate uh, Terry and Ty the Tiger calling in uh, throughout this second hour. And phone lines remain open. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to you on a Friday afternoon, 334-321-1390. Jack, as we have you in the studio, we've yet to get your take uh, on the air at least about the SEC scheduling for 2024 uh, when the opponents have been released for Auburn and all of the other SEC teams and so want to get your thoughts on all of this when it comes to Auburn and other SEC teams and if our listeners want to chime in uh, again phone lines are open for you 334-321-1390 we've been talking recruiting want to get into the scheduling conversation your initial thoughts just overall as the opponents for 2024 were released in the SEC. I think for the first time in a very long time, Auburn got the favorable part of a draw in something. Um, I don't necessarily think that the, and, and the, the rest of the country is viewing this as like, a, oh man, look at the gauntlet that Auburn's having to go through. To which my response is, look at the gauntlet Auburn has to go through every year. Mm-hmm. It's it's not similar now. I mean, and well, and I say not similar. It's not the same now. I think there's, of course, similarities to it. But I mean, you know, Georgia and Alabama was always going to happen. That was going to be your two rivalries that, that I thought was not going, they weren't going to get rid of. And they were always um, going to be on the road in 24. Right, yeah. 
Um, you know, I do like keeping some of these West teams that are in there. Like you got A and M, Arkansas, um, and yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't particularly understand um Boo. the i think it's is it kentucky and vanderbilt that they have or is it just kentucky uh, for auburn they got missouri 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 that's right um and i don't particularly understand that one other than just it's kind of like a okay well here's your here's your first you know going to an east team um and then we're going to go from there but i mean i would have liked to have seen just because we're leaning into this now i would have liked to have seen auburn going somewhere where they hadn't been in a while like knoxville or um, gainesville or something like that Hard I disagree on Knoxville because that's another very difficult road game you'd be given on. I know, that, like, I'm, like I'm saying more. I'm saying more from a. I'm saying more from a fan, a college football fan perspective. I think I'm looking at because right. I think the the Auburn games that you see here. I mean, you go at to Kentucky, at Missouri, Vanderbilt. That's why I say I think Auburn has a good draw here. You also get Arkansas, you get Oklahoma at home, and then at, at Alabama and Georgia. So I think it. I think it evens out in the end, but. I think as a college football fan, some of these matchups are kind of eh. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Auburn, heck yeah, you're 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 pretty thrilled about this because this is different from what you've had for a while, right? And that's where that's that was my take on all of this. I'm with you that I, look, I'm tired of playing Arkansas. I'm tired of Auburn playing Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. I'm over it. It's just it it's a game that I do not really care about all that much. And I wanted that, Jack. I wanted that to be Florida. I thought Florida should have been coming to Auburn. They have not been here in forever. This was a perfect opportunity in 2024, which is kind of like its own year that'll be set off to a side, and you can kind of do whatever you want until you figure out what happens in 25 and beyond, which I think they'll go to a nine-game schedule. Um, But I think 24, you had the chance if you were the Southeastern Conference, and I think overall, I think they did a good job, but... You had a chance to bring Auburn or bring Florida to Auburn to Jordan-Hare Stadium. You also had a chance to take Georgia to Texas A&M, which has never happened. Uh, They missed both of those. But from a winning standpoint and an Auburn success standpoint, yeah, the 24 opponents are, are, I mean, you couldn't hardly ask for anything better because you got Missouri instead of at Tennessee, which I thought was going to happen originally, and I was really, really worried about that yeah. uh, just because of what Tennessee's doing. It's a tough road game, like Carter mentioned. And so, sure, outside of Alabama and Georgia, I have a feeling Auburn is going to be in in, in all of those games and have a really good chance to win them. Yes, as an Auburn fan, this this should be a good thing for for you. If you're an Auburn fan, this should be a good thing for you because you've got, you know, I mean, you've got the games that were always going to be difficult in Alabama and Georgia on the schedule, but the rest of the schedule sets up really well for you. I mean, I think you can make a case there that, you know, getting six wins in the SEC is is very plausible for that year. And I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be, you know, big news to anyone. I mean, if you, all you got to do is, you, and not all you have to do, but I mean, you're going through Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Vandy at home, and then you're just having to go on the road and get Kentucky and Missouri. You get those, that's six SEC wins. I want to ask you, because obviously uh, you're, you know, a big time Auburn fan and enjoy talking about Auburn. How do you feel that for the first time in a really, really long time, Auburn football will not be playing LSU, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State? As an, we're talking as an Auburn fan. Yeah, for you, yeah. I'm relieved. I, lo- <laughs> I and love it's it. not necessarily. Frankly, j- I don't care about the Mississippi schools. That's, they aren't going to be good enough that's, at that point. And I'm almost, I'm almost. I put them the in the boat with of, Arkansas. Right. That's where I'm to the point of with with them and 
like with Arkansas, like you say. This is just I guess with LSU. Miss, be honest. <laughs> That's because uh, Ole Miss is going four and eight this year. Yeah, and and they're gonna look for some way to get out of their stupid contract they signed with Lane Kiffin. <laughs> He's working for the foundation for the next nine years or whatever it is. But I but I do agree with you, Carter, in that it's 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 such an I don't care game with Mississippi State and Ole Miss now. I mean. I don't have oh, a record oh, oh. right in front of me. I very much care if I were an Auburn fan about the Ole Miss game. I care about that game. I care about the game a heck of a lot. I don't care about Mississippi State at all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> awesome. Like, 2014, yeah, it rained a lot and you won and you got up to number one in the country and then you finished 8-4. and four. With the LSU series, I mean, that's one of the most fun series, I think, as an Auburn fan that I've, that I've had growing up. And so that's the only thing – um, that that I think I would miss from this schedule, though. But I say I'm relieved just because that series probably gave me more, I guess, heart palpitations than anything just because year in and year out you're getting these crazy, stupid situations going on. So I'm relieved for my health, um, but definitely going to miss seeing Auburn and LSU playing every year because that was always one you looked forward to as a, this is going to be a slugfest until the end. They're still going to play twice every four years. I but. know. Yeah, and I, frankly, I'm interested in how our listeners feel about that. I, ha- I have seen some about it on you know Twitter and stuff like that, but how, how do our listeners feel about Auburn not playing LSU every single year? 334-321-1390. I got a hot take for you. I think in terms of getting wins, not playing LSU is so big, especially looking forward because – yep. LSU's about to take Alabama's spot as the second-best team in this conference. Wow. When when Saban retires, I feel like LSU has positioned itself under Brian Kelly to be next up there, to be that second-best team behind yeah. Georgia. If it keeps going like it is, absolutely. Why well, I, I think Nick Saban, within the next 36 months, will be sitting on a beach. Well, that's... That's uh, I don't necessarily disagree, and I, and I've said that for a couple of years. He's seventy one, and yeah. what's like, his? Con- I forget what is his contract through because he care just what his signed. Contract oh, is. I know. He I'm just he's going through the whole contract. I, I agree. Want to say it's through twenty eight? I think that's that's the number I, I had in my head. Twenty eight, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he finishes this, the contract. I will take this bet with anybody that wants to make this bet. Nick Saban is not seeing out that entire contract. I'm with you. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that one. Hey, let's get to the phone lines really quick. 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line, man. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm well, guys. I, I, I agree about the contract thing. I do not agree about LSU. They had one good year with, with, with Dude, and it was, a good, it was a good one. But but that's, that's not going be, to be, be like, you know, hailing them, hailing them, you know, Prince before uh before he's even really done more than just one one year's work let's let's give it a couple of, couple of years before we're saying that he's going to be the, the the big the big dog with when when Nick retires i mean i i firmly believe lsu is going to win win the west again this year all right let's let's put a little wager on it <laughs> well, hey, y'all can do that uh, off off that. the air, but well, what so so what you heard on the show today? Uh, Everybody's wagering. I'm stuff telling you, on well, this well show. Shane, let me ask you this: what is what's yep. your opinion of LSU and this year in in, in no. the future with Brian Kelly? Yeah, no, I, I think they'll be solid. I mean, definitely, I think they'll be solid. But LSU is always solid. LSU is always, you know, they've got their. Come on, dude. Sorry, LSU is always. Uh, you know, nine, ten win team. 
so so it's not going to be with, with with like one except, uh, exception when when Ed you know Ed was leaving the house then they were you know that they're a stellar team they've got the talent in Louisiana they they, they don't really need to go too far so I, I think that they're 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 going to be great under under guy he he looked out by getting that job because of all the talent that's, that's coming that that stays in Louisiana so yeah they're going to be good but. I mean, I don't think I don't think they're going to be anything special. I don't think they're going to be Georgia's caliber. And and and, and while we're at that, I don't think Georgia's going to be Georgia's caliber within three years. I mean, give give them give them two or three more years with all the competition that's with all the changes that that are in college football right now. It's not going to stay the same. It's not going to be top heavy anymore. It's going to be every team's going to lose. At least two 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 times a year. Now, Shane, where I mean, I'll, where I'll disagree with you on the Georgia thing is the difference is with Georgia and Kirby Smart. It has become he was building when all those changes started, and he is now getting to that point where we could see where we saw Alabama, Nick Saban. But the difference is Kirby Smart and Georgia they built off of the changes and they've adapted to the changes, right? And they he he's being he's winning national championships with all of those differences. And I think that's why he's going to be so good well, well, in, he, for years to yes, come. You're right. You are right about that. He's doing it with the changes that, that, like, but they haven't had time to take effect yet. The changes, you know, like the NIL that just started. So yeah, he's taking advantage of those things. But give it a couple of two or three more years, and that's going to level out. Where where let's just say we're gonna, I'll, I'll just use Auburn. We're not a bottom feeder. We've got the money. Yeah, we've got a good coach. You know, so so why you know, I'm just saying it's not going to be as top heavy. We can if we still start stealing five stars. There's only so many to go around. Two teams are not going to steal all of them anymore. Is what I'm saying. It's going to be spread out a little bit more. Which I, I think I that's fair. Think, I, I still think they'll be really really good. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to be gunning for them, and that's the other thing. Everybody's going to be gunning for for Georgia right now. How long can they keep that up? Where where every team is gunning for you. They're going to give you your absolute best. Alabama did it, and they did it well. I mean, can Georgia do it? We don't know. We don't, I don't really know yet. I don't. I don't know yet. I mean, I, I don't, the, I the, for me personally, the standard they've put themselves at, making these playoffs that they have made here recently, winning back-to-back championships, with the way that they've recruited, they're around what seventy-seven percent blue chip players, which puts them in the top three in the country. Uh, I think they're going higher. So are we talking about this year? Or are we talking about like in the future? I'm talking about this year and going into the future. I mean, they're okay, right, right year, now they're heavy favorites to win the, the the national championship. They have they're they're on FanDuel. Their odds are plus two twenty. Ohio State is second at plus six hundred, tied with Alabama. Uh, if he wins another if he wins another national championship this year, I mean, I don't see how we can deny that this looks like the beginning of a. 15 20 year dynasty let me say this about lsu really quickly i think i wanted to go back on this this lsu thing because carter you mentioned that you think lsu is going to win the west this year shane's talking about lsu being a nine or ten win team i don't think that those are necessarily mutually exclusive oh yeah and the reason i've said said lsu's gonna go nine and three and win everybody's gonna be losing well everybody's gonna lose and it's because what we've been conditioned as sec fans now for probably a decade that the winner of the SEC has to go either undefeated or one loss in the regular season. That's because Alabama, Georgia, I mean, anybody that's done that, you saw Auburn you know, do it back in 2010. 
I mean, they, they do it in 2013 again. Like, we've been conditioned over these years to see this dominant, undefeated team go all the way and win the SEC. And I think once you get out of this, Alabama is going to be, you know, in the West, they're going to be the main. You got to look at what the East has done in the last few, you know, in the last decade or so. And it's been two, three, even four lost teams making it to the SEC championship. I think the West could be getting ready to go through a similar uh, a similar storyline. Well, divisions are going away. It's just top two now going forward right. in 2024. And, I mean, Brian Kelly in his first year, we had we didn't even see what he could do on the field Get yet. Before we, he went Get he had, yeah, the number five class in the country. I don't think it's fair to compare – Gus Malzahn and Brian I Kelly. Do. I I, I do. Why he, he went? Um, he went. He went to the national championship game year one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you there. Brian Kelly took Notre Dame with at to Notre multiple ne- multiple college football playoff and, and national championships. And yeah, now but we're talking is about it, LSU though. LSU. Gus Malzahn did his, this and that. Who cares? In his this, first LSU. class, he landed a top five class. Right now, he's sitting at fifth in the in the recruiting rankings. If he continues to recruit at that level, with the buy in that they I'm just have, saying, by your logic, we've seen the we, last we, three LSU coaches win national championships. They've won four national championships since 2003. I and Brian Kelly's right, and arguably nothing, and they the second off. best. They're not going to be dominant. Second. I think he's the he might win a national championship. I think he, he might a, win a national championship, but he's not going to be dominant. None of those other other teams not, were. I didn't they say he was going to be one hundred percent dominant. I never said that. Yes, I said I think he was he going to be the second be best program in the SEC once they retired. That's pretty dominant. That's pretty. That's pretty darn dominant. I mean, only one other team is more more dominant than you. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. 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 No, no, I'm, I'm saying they're going to be really good. I'm not saying, what are we Well, I appreciate the call, Shane. We may have somebody else after the break. I get, look, I get what you're saying, and I get what he's saying at the same time. And, yeah, I mean, look, I get it. I get what he's trying to say. I get what you're trying to say. I, you guys just disagree. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think we're necessarily I'm, arguing I'm not different sure they things. do. No, I, I'm not sure they I, really I, disagree. I, I'm saying I think that they are going to surpass Alabama. I don't think Oklahoma and Texas are going to pass Alabama or LSU I I think that LSU is positioned well to pass Alabama that does not mean they're going to go rattle off five six national championships I don't think they're going to because I think Georgia's going to do that so you do do you think the second and third teams that it would would be in this so if they're if we're talking about divisions from beforehand teams that would have been in the east before do you think that any of them are going to jump LSU say say that again so if we're going if we're moving away from divisions do you think teams that are currently in the East right now would jump ahead of LSU? No. 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 Florida, absolutely not. Tennessee? Florida, no. No. Because it's you get more talent at LSU than, than you can Tennessee. Yeah. And plus, when when Venables fizzles out at Oklahoma, Hypel's going to Oklahoma 100%. That's happening. That's, yeah. That is going to happen. So I don't know how long Tennessee can sustain this. Frankly, we saw one good year out of Tennessee. LSU, we've seen them consistently get to the mountaintop. We'll wrap it yeah. up on the other side. we got to get to a break. We'll wrap up this conversation. It's been a lot of fun. We'll wrap up the Friday edition of On the Line on the other side here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. All right, wrapping up the Friday edition of On the Line. We got a couple of minutes. I'm going to let you guys explain what you're <laughs> trying to explain here with the phone call we just had. So, Shane, I don't, I don't necessarily think 
what Shane and I are saying. I'm, I'm are, not sure are, y'all are, are saying different things. Opposites. I yeah. think I'm saying LSU. I think once Saban retires, is positioned to be the second best program in the SEC. I don't think that necessarily means they're going to rattle off a bunch of national championships. I think Georgia. There's a real scenario, and Jack and I have talked about this during the break. Well, the only team that does that on a consistent basis in the SEC is Georgia. Because I think the entire SEC is it's going to be one of those things where the SEC beats up on each other. Which is what Shane was trying to say, especially right. with expansion and especially if we go to a nine-game schedule. Yeah, and and I don't disagree with that, but what I, all I'm saying is I think the with the way that they recruited in year one when they didn't have a proof of concept at LSU, I think it's only going to get better. I think Alabama, the cracks are in the foundation. Saban is, I mean, he's on a, he's on a clock here. He's yeah. going yeah. to retire. So, out of, let me, so let me ask you this. Out of the SEC East teams right now, when you go to a large conference sans divisions, who from the SEC East would, would come up and take that two spot overall? Because if there's no one in the East that would... Maybe Tennessee. Then, then LSU Tennessee is the only one right now. Florida's, Florida's not there right now. But right. here's the Florida thing. Florida could be there if they go higher like a Dan Lanning. But I think what Shane is saying is the fact outside of Georgia, the, the number two team, in quotes, may not be the same every year. Like It may be yeah, different. So, so I'm saying on, when you average out the Program consistency over, over a long period of time, I think LSU is going to... It has positioned itself to be the second best program in the SEC once Saban is gone. Right, that was my point. And I program think, the key and I think you're both there. right. And not, I think, not, I think they team, will finish. But they program. will finish second more than any of the other teams. But it's not necessarily going to be there every year. Bingo. I think they will win a national championship or two, or maybe even three under Brian Kelly. But I think Georgia is by far going to be the best program in the SEC for the next 15 years because I don't think Kirby Smart's going in anywhere. I think people have tried to bring up, well, he can go to the NFL. I don't think he has a, his sights set on that. I think he has his sights set on, oh, okay, I just worked for this guy, Nick Saban, who set all these records and set the bar. I'm on a pretty daggum good pace to surpass all of it, and I think he can. And I, th- I He's think, a more successful head coach at this point in his career than Nick Saban was. And he is in a more talent-rich state. Yeah. Uh, and I, he's, I mean, you've, you play in Florida every single year in Jacksonville. So you have that, you have that going for you. All of these things are going in the right direction for Georgia. I think Georgia is going to be the dominant SEC program for the next 15 years. Sure. There may be some years where Auburn and LSU and some other teams take a bite out of them, but I do think it is. I think there will be other SEC teams that win national championships, but I just don't think it's going to be all that consistent besides Georgia. And I think LSU can be second, the second best program in this league. I'm glad we worked that out. That was fun. (laughs) That was fun. At the buzzer. How about that? Hey, we appreciate all of our great callers today. Our guest as well, Jack Cudden in studio with us in this second hour. If you missed any of the show, catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com. Have a great weekend. Come back on Monday, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. And still then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.